0: there is the CDC released uh some research that says that our teen girls are really really struggling um that sexual att- attacks and other traumatic experiences have led to an unprecedented level of hopelessness and suicidal thoughts amongst America's young women um and that they're just they're just having a really really tough time they said nearly 3 in 15 girls so that's 57% felt persistently sad or hopeless and it's the highest rate in decades 30% said they have seriously considered dying by suicide um and that percentage has risen nearly 60% over the past 10 years so as a mom of daughters I have a son too. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of terrifying for me. I don't. I don't think it's. I would just limit it to girls, though. Um, I can't imagine that because our girls are feeling like that. Our our boys aren't too far behind. So, um, you know, I thought, uh, what a bummer subject. talk about, but maybe that'd be something good for us to talk about. And Cheryl, I mean, I think you're right. I think that, um, that idea of, of school of violence that our girls are experiencing goes along with bullying, because if you have been around a little girl, you may know that
1: it seems like they can be mean. Absolutely. I agree. And I think, um, This report comes out at a time when a lot of media attention has been on the incident in New Jersey where the the teenage girl um, was being bullied. She was beaten up and the video was posted online. And then a few days later, she committed suicide. And, um, you know, after the fact, everyone um, strives to to, to think about what could we have done to prevent this? And even her family, you know, she seemed to be okay. And what signs should we have looked for and things like that. And um, when we were talking, Brewer and also Christina, when I saw your note about this article um, from CNBC, it made me think about probably almost half of my current caseload is bullying of young girls in schools. And the parents feeling like they're not being taken seriously. They're, they're you know, they, the, the school officials call it claims of bullying. And my understanding was that there's zero tolerance across the board, like from the government standard that there should be zero tolerance, everything should be investigated and these situations should be taken very seriously. But it doesn't seem like that's always the case, which then causes the ripple effect of the children feeling like they're not being listened to, they're not believed. And so they emotionally express themselves. They don't want to live and things like that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, <clears throat> one uh, idea about this is like social media nowadays, right? So many parents can't really see it brick by brick the the bullying aspects that their that their child's speaking of because it's all happening on on this phone here, right? It's all on their own personal phone. And as you're right, Christine, as as you get into that teenager, young adult uh, life, you have the phone and and you can you can utilize it more outside of school to to bully in a sense, and uh, it happens. Sadly enough, against the female um, gender here more than it does the male, statistically, from the thing you're talking about. But uh, kids can be mean, and uh, it's one way to to be mean is behind a phone.
3: And a
4: ma- oh, sorry, I was going to no, no, go like, I actually currently have a teenager who's being bullied, male, and surprisingly, though, it's um, a couple of females that's bullying him on all separate occasions. I mean, it goes across the board when it comes to gender, that there is really no, you know, line of who does it, who doesn't, who gets the bullying, who doesn't. Um, just in our case, you know, growing up myself, I was a female that was bullied in school. And I can't imagine, you know, like Brewer stated nowadays, to have the social media that wasn't around when I was a kid, to have the cell phones, to have all these ways that really a lot of these kids I think hide behind or they feel that it's safer for them that maybe they won't get caught um, or it maybe isn't quite as an effect as if they said it to somebody's face or physically were with them, you know. Um, But it has an effect on everybody, on their lives, on what they hear, on the way that they feel about themselves. And I just think it's it's really sad to me. It's sad to me that it comes to the extent um, of harming somebody mentally and emotionally, you know, in in that way. Because it, it hurts and it lasts.
2: Yeah and you you can't escape from school anymore to home right because it follows right. you outside with the phone there's no there's no right. at home with your parents comfort as it's it's gone
1: Right That's so true and one one situation whatever the initial post was was on Snapchat so it quote unquote disappears disappears after a certain amount right. of time but there's so many screenshots that are now circulating throughout a community and the incident happened back in December but the child is still being bullied behind that Snapchat post that has circulated everywhere. And like you said, a lot of the youngsters hide behind because they feel like, well, it can't be tracked to me. And if I just forwarded it, if I just forward the information, I didn't start it. I didn't initiate it. So I'm not culpable. And so that's the question then on school admins, who is culpable? Who's responsible? How do you nip it in the bud? How do you stop it from being such a prevalent issue when it is social media, when maybe it didn't happen on school premises, the initial forward or the initial post, but it is being disseminated you know, during school time or by students in school? It's, it's a major question.
5: We were just dealing with that this morning with my son, and he's being bullied by a girl and two boys. And I keep telling him, block them, ignore them you know, get him off, but they keep making fake accounts. Right. So they, they can keep coming at him at every angle and they just never leave him alone. They were FaceTiming him from a private number three, four times this morning till like three in the clock in the morning mm-hmm. and just threatening him and sending him pictures of guns. And like, and, and like you said, it's his psyche now. Like he's not the same kid. This girl keeps saying horrible things. And believe me, I want to go to her house. Um, but I've tried that avenue, and what's sad to me is what I'm learning with my kids being bullied, the parents don't care. You can go to the parents. They don't want no part of it either. Prove it. Prove it. Well, I've taught my kids screenshot everything. I don't care if they see it, because on Snapchat, if you screenshot it, it, te- it tells them. It tells you, right. It. And But these parents are just as bad as these kids. Like, you, there's nowhere to go. And then the school doesn't want to deal with it because, like you said, it wasn't done on school property. You take it to the police, and they're like, well, you know. Kids will be kids. Yeah, exactly. Kids will be kids. Well, listen, when it's constant, and honestly, I would love to know what we can do because I pay the phone bill. The phone is in my name. So, yeah, he's using it. But, honestly, like, that's my phone. And I'm telling you, like, it is it's horrible. And, like I said, it's his girl. Right. And she's the nastiest little thing, I'm
1: telling you. Oh, Lord. <laughs> wow. If I wasn't 48, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> this, that is so sad. And I know I've heard a lot about go to the school officer and um, report it that way. And in some cases, I see Tracy shaking her head. In some cases, the parents feel like the school officers do nothing. Or if the the, the, perp, the bulliers are on school teams that they're dealt with differently or not dealt with at all. Um and I've also heard that they've gone to state police, local local, um, you know, police, and that they're told, well, this has to be handled by the school. Um, and just in what for one of the recent cases on the school website, it says safe to say that's a program that you're supposed to be able to anonymously report, and it has to be reported to the authorities, and they have to follow up and all of that. So I wondered, is that legitimate? If if a parent or a child, a young person. Goes through that safe to say option. Does does that sequence of events actually happen?
4: I feel like it's a lot of schools just to cover their grounds and say that there is a plan in action or that there's something that they would do to take place. But however, I feel like the ball gets dropped along the way because my son, who's now eight in kindergarten, was getting thrown in garbage cans. Was you know getting harassed by fifth graders. You know that were in the entire you know elementary school. And I was told, well, we don't really know if that happened. Well, aren't there cameras in the school? Well, what did he do to him first? You know, it doesn't matter. No child deserves to be put in a garbage can. Like a big barrel,
0: you know, cafeteria garbage can. So the reason we moved to Pittsburgh is because I had a child who was being bullied and severely Bullied. He had a a classmate say to him, "I'm gonna kick you in the head with my steel toe boot." Um and we went through everything we reported and um eventually we filed an office of civil rights complaint, which we ended up winning, but it was like three, four years later. So I put my house on the market quit my job and moved to Pittsburgh. Um, so we do have a bullying tip sheet, and I will tell you. Um, the, the, we filed an office of civil rights complaint, but I believe under a title IX um, for gender discrimination, I believe that may have changed that that protection may have gone away. But one of the things that I learned is, um, one of my favorite resources that I may have shared with you is rights law. Uh, W-R-I-G-H-T-S law, he has a what he calls a letter to a stranger. And he talks about how you write letters to schools and to other authorities, that you're not actually writing it to the school administrator or the authority, but you're writing it to the next person who's going to read it, someone who doesn't know anything about what's happening. And so you really want to be fact-based, you want to include relevant details. And one of the things that we suggest to people, and we even have it in our IEP boot camp, um, the people can join at any time, is finding out what your school and your school district's policy on bullying is. Um, that may seem, you know, annoying. Uh, it may seem like you know, not not very helpful. But the next one is gathering details and creating reports. So having um, uh, write in your day planner, write uh, just keep a notebook date, what happened, who was around. Um, If your child is at school and they have a phone and they text message you that, screenshot it. Ask them for details to find out who's around, where it happened, and use a very specific way of uh, notifying the school. So whatever it says in the school policy on who needs to be notified, notify them in writing. And what worked for me was I when I filed my complaint? I wrote everything up. Years of of uh, challenges, but and I included evidence. So you don't hide your evidence; you just give it to them right up front. I gave them attachments where I reported it as I was told to, and the person who I reported it to acknowledged that they received it. And so when I um, filed my complaint in writing, I included all these attachments. And when the school responded to the Office of Civil Rights, they said, oh, yeah, well, the family only complained, like, two, or only told us about two or three times. And the officer who was investigating it said, we already know they're not telling us the truth because you've provided for us eight or more um, complaints that had been acknowledged. Now, I say all that, but again, I put my house on the market, quit my job, and moved across the state because it was years. It was years. Um, And I remember feeling hopeless. Sending You were required by law to send your child to school. If you don't send your child to school, you get penalties. And so I have to send my child into this war zone. Without any ammunition, it, it was it was devastating. I'm with you, Jill. I'm with you.
5: <laughs> One of the biggest things my my son <clears throat> said to me was that he just feels like nobody at the school protects him. Um, both of my children, we kind of live in the country, and my children are biracial. They were both called racial slurs, and that's something I don't tolerate at all. When I went to the school and reported it, and went there, not very happy. Um, the principal told me there was nothing that the school would do because it was freedom of speech on two different occasions. It was freedom of speech to call my children racial slurs. And we sent it to the magistrate, the magistrate, it was, he said, she said, you know, oh, I didn't say it. And I said, well, no 16 year olds going to tell on themselves. And they said, well, you know, he has no reason to lie. I said, well, why would my child out of the blue be like, Hey mom, he called me this text me at seven forty-five in the morning. But the school said that they couldn't touch it because it was freedom of speech, and it was his right to say that.
4: Yeah, I um, I get screenshots from my son from school, thirteen years old, that says, "Mom, I just want to let you know in ca- in case the school calls me, you know, calls me as a parent, this is what happened. I didn't do anything." I don't want her going to them and saying that I did something, and you know, and he sent me the screenshot, and it's just this total belittlement of, you know, I, I mean, I'm a single mom. Uh, where's your dad? Where's your daddy? Why is it he around? Oh, gap gap in your teeth. Uh, you're overweight. You're not good at basketball. You're this. You're that. Just constant, constant, constant belittling him, you know. And he tells her to, him to he tells her to leave him alone. And he's like, I don't want her going to and I said something that I didn't say or whatnot. And now just the most recent thing is one of these kids that it has been harassing and bullying him has some older sibling over the age of 18 harassing him. And I told him, I said, you block them and you let me know if they contact you again, because I will go and file for harassment of a minor. I said, and that's
5: not, you know, and that's <laughs> child abuse. And tell them, Terry, it's the same school
0: district. Oh, it is it is the same school district yeah there you yeah go. So, yeah <laughs> it's same school district so one of the things that parents should keep in mind is if your child has an IEP that's perhaps the only protection right that, that we can offer if your child has an IEP perhaps if they have a 504 plan bullying that is impeding their education is something that must be addressed in the IEP. So if that bullying is affecting their ability to be educated, to fully access their education, that is something that needs to be addressed by the IEP team and written into the IEP to help your child access their education. And I don't know if there's a way to kind of follow up with that. I'm going to bet that there is because if the school knows that your child is being bullied and it's affecting their education, um, that's that's going to be a problem that the IEP team has to address. So there's, while it feels like there's not much we can do, um, and really at the end of the day. I'm, there's, there's not a whole lot, certainly without the school helping. Um, but if, if people are dealing with this, calling us and helping us, you know, as we talk through things and kind of look for those different angles, again, uh, an IEP and an IEP team can be really powerful because anything an IEP team writes into the IEP must be legally followed. So, you know, when schools are starting to, uh, you know, have to deal with giving compensatory education services because your child wasn't able to access their education because of bullying, maybe then they'll pay attention. Um, but, you know, there's, there's definitely some different angles that we can look at. Um, somebody was telling me maybe about a call that they got where a girl was sexually um, harassed or uh sexually assaulted at school and the school wouldn't do anything about that and i believe that there are some laws that have been passed that um allow for the the child who was sexually harassed is supposed to be allowed to move to another classroom or have that that child removed from her classroom um but what i would tell everybody again this is a long road and it's hard Um, if it's not in writing, it didn't happen. I'm going to get that as my tattoo on my forehead. Um,
2: In writing, of course.
0: uh, In writing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was drilled into my head very early on on my advocacy journey. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen. And so when you talk to someone, when you talk to the principal, when you talk to the school resource officer, whoever, you have a call with them, you follow it up in writing. Dear Mr. Bob... I'm following up on our discussion today where I informed you that my child was um, being harassed based on their race. And your response was, the child has freedom of speech, so they are allowed to use language like that in the school. Um, I just want to clarify and make sure that, that I understood that correctly. Right? If the resource officer doesn't respond and say, oh, no, no, you misunderstood what I said, then that there it is. It's been said. And so you're building this paper trail. Again, in the moment, it doesn't help our kids. But it helps to make a, a longer case. And it can also protect... Your child, um, a friend was telling me she works with children on uh, probation and one of the boys that she's working with went to school and was going to go through the metal detectors and kept setting it off and they wanted him to like empty his pockets and he wouldn't do it. So luckily the school called his mom, mom ran over only to find out that he had a po he had like a little pen knife in his pocket because he has been harassed by kids who don't go to that school. And he felt the need to protect himself. Like what's a little, you know, uh, Pen knife gonna do but we know kids on probation that's just gonna have a have a huge problem so you know sometimes you kind of wonder if if some of these children taking these extreme measures of taking weapons or whatever to school are are doing that kind of to feel a little protected because like you said they know that school can't protect them. I'm not making excuses for anybody but as adults if we don't step in, What's going to happen to our kids?
4: I feel like it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. You know, who who's there to be on their side? Who's there to help them? And who, who's there to hold somebody accountable?
3: I 100% agree because I think that right now, you know, like Cheryl indicated, we are receiving literally record number calls regarding bullying. And these are not lighthearted calls. These are pretty extreme cases um, that parents really don't feel like schools are supporting um, the students, the children, um, the families. Um, they have to have a policy on their website, but they don't follow it. They don't um, do anything about the bullying um, and keep children safe.
1: That's so true. But I think, Christina, the point you made about... um. Encouraging and supporting the families we work with to document, document, document is so good because it, it, it definitely provides that paper trail that is so helpful for the long journey it is to get some action taken, hopefully by the school or the district. But I think it also works to give some validation to the young people who are experiencing, you know, my mom and dad or whoever the caregiver is, they believe me, you know, and they're fighting for me right. and everything. And I thought a really powerful point in um, that article from NBC News was it's critical to normalize conversations about mental health and about the the challenges that the young people are going through. And I just thought it's phenomenal, Teresa, Jill, Christina, that your children felt comfortable enough (laughs) to come to you with what they're experiencing. Because a lot of times kids, they go to the extreme of bringing weapons to school or of having the suicidal thoughts or acting on it because they don't have that open communication with someone, with a trusted adult to be able to say, this is what I'm experiencing, this is what I'm feeling. And and if they don't feel confident, that that trusted adult is going to help them and believe them and support them. So normalizing those conversations is so, so important. That article, you know,
3: still said
1: that there's still a stigma. Like,
3: it's said that there's still a stigma even today in that, that normalization of having a conversation regar- regarding, you know, suicide, regarding, you know, in, in the article it indicated, you know, LGBTQI you know, those students are a record number of high cases as well. So, you know, having that support for them and normalizing mental health, you know, um, inco- encouraging our schools to implement some of the, you know, supports that are in place for mental health, like the student assistant program, the mental health services that you can put into place. Um, but again, the article described such um, a desperate plea.
4: Agree. Um, I just wanted to hit back on Cheryl, what you said about trusting, you know, some of these kids feel as if somebody has failed them, but if we can be as parents or caregivers and be supportive of our, these children that, that they can trust and have the faith in us that we're not going to let them down and that they are not in trouble. You know, first and foremost, if my child feels the need to defend themselves for something that they have not even done just because they are afraid of the retaliation that may come to them from the school or from these other kids or whatever, right there is such a fear in the the lack of trust that my child has in what surrounds him, other than myself and which he's trusting in, you know, and it's sad and I feel bad. And then I think of these children who don't have a relationship that, as you said, Cheryl, don't have a trusted adult or somebody to confide in, and all the heaviness that they must feel. The heaviness from just the either, you know, the abuse from the mental or emotional from just the bullying and how heavy that can get. Because I know as an adult, we can get overwhelmed with things. But as a child of not feeling like there's any outlet or somebody to talk to or someone who can hear them, just that's got to be a huge weight on them. And, and, it, and it's sad, you know, that there's, there's so many children that probably feel that way.
2: Yeah, and it almost seems like when you are getting bullied, you have this one aspect of the school, right? So you have to deal with the school, the principals, you don't want to get in trouble, and then you have your parents, right? So it's it's constant battle between these two things that you're trying to, to keep happy and maintain. And At the end of the day, you inside are the one that's taking all the damage because of what people, like your parents may see it, but sometimes the school may not. And then you're at that constant battle with yourself of who do I go to? What do I do? And uh, it's sad. It's sad. <laughs>
0: And let's, let's not miss the fact that a child who does not feel safe in school cannot fully learn. You what cannot learn if you don't feel safe. I remember uh, we had this huge meeting and one of my child's teachers said to me, does, does your child have like bladder problems or medical problems? And I'm like, no what do you mean and she said well every time class starts as soon as class starts they come right up to me and ask if they could use the restroom and it's right after lunch so they would have plenty of time to use the bathroom so I don't understand why they would need to to use the restroom as soon as class started and I looked at them and I said has it ever occurred to you that the bathroom may not be a safe place for them and She was so disconnected from the reality of what was happening in school that it never occurred to her. And I was talking to someone in a completely different state who was talking to her granddaughter. She was at her granddaughter's graduation party. Um, Her granddaughter lived in a completely different state. And she said, Tell me what it's like. She works in this industry. um, And she said, Tell me what school's like right now. And her granddaughter, she shared with me that her granddaughter said, well, I'm glad that um, I'm not in school anymore. The for, the last thing I do before I leave the house is I use the bathroom. I drink very little all day long because I cannot go into bathrooms at school. Because that is where you will be assaulted or, you know, like some other kind of unsafe kind of situation. This girl at 17 years old had already learned like uh, not to drink so she wouldn't have to go to the bathroom I mean that's that's kind of ridiculous and as a mom of a teacher I don't want to put anything else on our teachers it's not their sole responsibility administration has to be there to support them but we have to stop having to send our children into battle zones
1: that is that is so true And I know in some situations in talking to parents and in talking to some of the the school admins, principal, guidance counselor, whoever it might be, it seems that a lot of conversations about how to address the issue are had amongst school administration, not including the parents, not even including the young person who's dealing with the issue. And so, I mean, I do this with my own daughter. I will ask, is there a reason why she cannot be present for this meeting? Because depending upon the age and the aptitude, their voice needs to be heard. They need to sit in that room. And I think in some scenarios, it might make the school staff uncomfortable, but they need to know who is an ally. And the, the, the school staff needs to see this is a real student. This is not just you know a number, <laughs> you know? And that um, that might help some of these conversations to go more so in the favor of what really is needed for the students to feel safe in the school not just a group of adults making arbitrary decisions. In many cases, they might not even be taking seriously the complaints of the young person.
4: Absolutely, because can you imagine an administrator who's thinking of a child as just a number, but if you have a child who is of age, as Cheryl said, to be able to express or speak on their behalf, but to sit in front of them and then see just body language speaks so much, body language, their tone and their voice so that then these administrators can understand that this is not something that's just made up or being blown out of proportion. But if you see a child sitting in front of you who is literally begging for help or mercy and to get out of what is happening to them, I feel that they, they would have a lot more empathy to understand how these children are feeling and exactly
1: what they're going through. Absolutely. And that uh, the powerful question is, Who do you feel safe enough with or who do you trust enough at this school to go to if you are feeling bullied or feeling challenged or struggling? And if the student can't name anyone, that to me is a major red flag and an issue. Or in one case, the student said that she did not feel comfortable or safe with the school safety officer. Maybe that's not the best choice of school safety officer if a child is not going to go to them when they are feeling targeted. So absolutely, because in my
4: eyes, that position is more than a paycheck. That position is a very strong position to have in a school, and children should feel number one safe with that person
2: and not not so much as physical safe, as equally as mental mentally safe.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
2: absolutely. yeah.
0: And for the teachers who are kind of doing their best every day, I know that there were a few teachers that my child was felt comfortable in their class because the teacher had very very forcefully set a tone of that doesn't happen in here I'm not tolerating it it doesn't happen now maybe not every teacher you know, b- teachers all have their own stuff going on. And maybe if they're not a teacher that's respected by students, you know, maybe, maybe uh, they don't have as much, you know, bravado with the the students to make that happen, but certainly setting that tone of, we don't, we don't do that here. That, that doesn't happen. But right. just having a few teachers who are, um, those safe spaces you could come, you could have lunch here. you could you know come and use the bathroom close to my room, like whatever, however they can help um is good. But I will also tell you that we do have uh, blogs coming up shortly that Peyton is working on now, where she has reached out to teachers, and there are a few teachers who are kind of talking about the atmosphere in their school because of the administration, the mm-hmm. atmosphere in their school has been set where students and this is what it really takes to end bullying where students will call each other out and be like don't use language like that not cool we you know we don't we don't do that but it's because again it comes from the top down and they've created that culture of safety but if we talked about a couple resources or we talked about a couple uh challenges that maybe families would need resources on we'll put them in the show notes but We do have the five steps to effectively advocate for a child who's being bullied. And so people don't have to go look them up. Number one is identify your school and district policies and reporting guidelines. Number two is to gather details and create a report. Number three is to consistently report all incidents. Four is ensure your child's emotional well-being. And then five is um, know when it's time to escalate and how to do it. And we have a couple resources like the Bully Prevention Consult Line here in Pennsylvania. We also have uh, families can reach out to the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission. And Jill, one that you might want to look into is Office of Civil Rights, especially if your children are being bullied based on their race, which is a protected class. By the way, disability is also a protected class.
2: Sounds good. Uh, Also, would like to thank you guys, Jill and Teresa, for coming on. Welcome and thank you very much for the, uh, the episode.
4: Thank you. It was my pleasure.
3: Thank you so much for listening to This Is Not What I Was Expecting. We hope this quick chat with a couple of moms has made you feel less alone in your parenting journey. As a parent, you don't have a lot of time in your hectic day, so we are happy you spent this time with us. If you want to stay connected with us, visit us at org.